0: Hi, I'm Lottie Morley and this is Lady Pod, the podcast celebrating wonderful women. My guests will be sharing their inspiring stories about how they got to where they are and a few funny tales along the way. This series we're focusing on the pandemic. We'll be hearing from women on the front line and those who can help make our time in lockdown a bit more bearable. This episode contains explicit and sexual content. My guest today is the woman behind the La 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 Let Me Explain Instagram account and podcast. A qualified sex and relationships educator and a social worker too, Layla posts about everything from relationships and dating to sexual violence and domestic abuse in an online Agony Aunt format. Layla, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. So tell me about La La Let Me Explain to begin with. Where did you get the idea from? What made you start it?
1: Uh, people always ask me this and it's a bit sort of haphazard. It's not, I never really, it's just become what it is accident, not accidentally, it's just kind of grown as it's start. You know what I mean? It's become what it is Mm. organically rather than me going, right, this is the plan. This is what's going to happen. Um, I started writing a blog really not for anybody else to read, just for myself. I'd had obviously you know many many years professional background of working in this field but i was never really applying my own advice to my own love life uh so you know i'd be doing all this stuff at work and then coming home to these pathetic men um and yeah, so I, could, I I was excellent at my job, but terrible in my own love life. And then it's like I had all these epiphanies. Uh, everything started making sense. So I had, like, that one final relationship that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was just like, at the end of that, I was like, shit, I figured out a load of stuff. And I really feel like other women need to hear this um, or that, like, I needed to get it out of my just off my chest. So I started writing a blog, um, but not really knowing that it was going to go anywhere or do anything. Um, And I did that anonymously. And it was more like a diary type thing. And then the few friends that I sent it to read it and were like, you need to, more women need to hear this. Uh, So I started an Instagram. And it's just developed from there, really. And when was that? How long have you been doing it for? I started in 2017. Okay, god, it's been a it's not actually that long ago then. No, no. It grew really quickly. I think I had 10,000 followers within like 3 months and I've never done any like paid promo or advertising or anything like that. It's it's grown just through word of mouth because I just think so many women go through, you know, we're all dating different guys, doesn't matter where you're from in the world, the kind of boy thing um seems to be a quite a common thread that that runs between every woman who dates men, um, but then as it I've, as as I've kind of gone on, I I used to write very specifically for heterosexual women, uh, but as mm. time's gone on, I, I've realised that actually gay men really relate to what I'm saying, uh, and then as it's even developed further, people like women who date women are also like, yeah, actually, girls do this too. Um, so I've tried to use less gendered language in in a lot of my posts because actually they just relate to a lot of these problems relate to just anyone who's dating rather than being you know heterosexual specific but then sometimes i think gender is very relevant in certain things so so I, I i will specifically focus on gender in some posts to do with like domestic violence and rape sexual assault those kind of things but the rest i make it quite generic
0: can i ask why why you'd like to stay anonymous
1: Uh, I started off anonymous because I was still working as a social worker when I started um, and it's conflicting I can't write about things I write about and then turn up at your house to talk to you about some serious incident with your family you know the next day so I I didn't Mm. feel that it was safe or right for me to not be anonymous at the start Um, but also it was just kind of like a hobby it wasn't um, you know it wasn't a career it was just something that I was Chewing. um so there was no need for me to have my face attached to it in any way uh, and also because that enabled me to be really open and honest uh, about you, you know because I started off really with the blogs I didn't do big captions or anything but the blogs you know went into a lot of my dating history and stuff so I I, I needed that to be anonymous to protect the other people that were involved as well you know I'm writing stories about men um mm. so so it just made sense to be anonymous and then I left my job to do this full time in 2018, um, but then I decided at that point to remain anonymous because I mean, there's a variety of different reasons. One is that I have a son; he's in primary school, but he'll soon be in secondary school, and I don't want him to have to go to school and be like, "Oh, your mum's that woman who chats about sex." Um, <laughs> you know. Also, I want to be able to date. I don't want to have to, you know, I don't want to meet guys and then think, "Oh, she's going to write about me." um yeah i'm a bit more relaxed but i'm never ever going to start posting pictures of my face because i just don't think it's necessary
0: definitely and uh, so you said you went full time 2 years ago how, how do you if you don't mind me asking how do you make money from that
1: so i um i've got a patreon subscription service so what that means is pa- patreon is like um It's a way to pay your favorite creatives, basically. So there's a lot of buskers on there. You've got a lot of artists, um, uh, people who are like unsigned to uh, musicians. Um, So it's a a really cool little platform, uh, which basically means that people can sign up uh, and pay monthly anything from £2 a month to £50 a month. Um, And with some of the tiers, you don't get much extra. They're just paying... For the instagram and the insta lives and and the podcast and whatever uh and then the higher tiers you can get one-to-one advice calls um and everybody gets added to my close friends stories where where i i put out like extra content um so that's my main income is from patreon but i also do uh i've done two events of my own so i made a bit of money from them uh mm. and i sell merchandise um key rings pins uh tote bags little bits like that but yeah my main income is patreon
0: great oh that's really interesting I I think I had heard of that before but I didn't know how it worked um so what I was going to ask uh have you ever told a boyfriend about it or somebody that you're dating about the, the the Instagram account and what you do
1: yeah yeah I have
0: and what was the reaction
1: I mean, you know what men are like. They're just a bit like, oh, yeah, great. Like, I don't think that any of... I, I think the difficult thing for me is that unless you're, like, into the Insta, like, say I just said to you now, like, oh, go and follow this Instagram, la, 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 let me explain. You might look at it and just think, oh, it's a meme page. You know what I mean? Mm. It's, unless you... I, I think you only see kind of what's going on when you're actively listening to the lives, listening to the podcast, Reading people's comments, seeing the reaction from other women, I think that's when you get a sense of really what's going on um, on the Instagram because it's not just yeah. it's not just memes. It's um, it's like a, a, a I don't know how it's like an, a place of education, but also a place of women being able to feel safe and, and learn and come together and feel normal together. Um, so it's it's one of those things that's kind of hard to describe. I've never really had like a great reaction from a man other than you, know, you can't <laughs> yeah. know guess what like I'm doing this Instagram and it's changing people's lives honestly like you, like, <laughs> you can't you can't say that so so yeah it's difficult because then they just think oh you're an influencer and I'm happy for them to think that you know what I mean that they don't pay much attention and maybe that's the problem maybe that's why I'm not in a relationship with any of them when the day that I meet the one who's like wow this is amazing let me go and read your captions let me go and listen to your yeah that's when I'll know but he's actually ordered. that's the one
0: yeah <laughs> and you do a podcast as well don't you i, I saw do. your last episode was with um
1: jamie windust and kenny ethan jones yeah the LGBT. yeah yeah one. yeah
0: and to answering lgbt questions
1: yeah yeah that was interesting that one Uh, (laughs) because I think it's such a minefield. I think a lot of people are, uh, you you know, you have to be so careful. So in in that podcast, I, I did ask the kind of questions that maybe people are too afraid to ask online. Like, you know, can I use the word fag hag? Can I call you queer? You know, all of these things that 20 years ago, if you called someone queer, that was really offensive. Now queer is an acceptable term. So it was just about going through all of those little Things that I guess I guess sometimes it feels like you're walking on eggshells if you want to say and do the right thing, um, but you're not able to ask, ask the questions necessarily online because you can get attacked for a- asking the wrong question or saying the wrong word. So they were really kind to kind of come on and give heterosexual people with no knowledge of the LGBTQ community that space to go, okay, we we want to ask these questions, but, you know, we're doing it with the best intentions kind of thing.
0: That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, and and like you say, I've followed you for a little while now and some of the stuff you talk about is pretty taboo, I would say. Yeah. Um, why, do you th- why do you think that is? Obviously, British people are stereotypically a bit prudish, aren't they?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, do you think it's because, you know, there's a lack of se- sex education or we need to be better educated or just need to open up and talk about it a bit more?
1: Yeah, we're terrible for that. I mean, I remember going to Amsterdam years ago and seeing, like, kids... And their parents just standing outside sex, sex shops and there being absolutely no, um, you, you, know, you know, British people would be like shielding their children's eyes and stuff. <laughs> they can barely even say the words penis and vagina to their own children. <laughs> uh, and I looked into Amsterdam's uh, or, or Holland's sex education strategies uh, and they're just so open from the start. And as a result, they have really low teen pregnancy rates and really low um STI rates uh, in comparison to us I mean we're one of the highest in Europe for teen pregnancy um and I think a lot of that is to do with that very you know it's a very British thing isn't it people don't want to talk about sex they see it as being kind of dirty there's a lot of stuff steeped in kind of religion as well particularly people who are raised Catholic um well not just Catholic actually all all, all sort of quite serious people who are are raised very religious uh there's a lot of rules around sex kind of steeped in in that so um yeah I think we mess ourselves up by being so like the stuff I talk about shouldn't be taboo the stuff I talk about we should talk about it all the time um because it makes people safer if you can talk you know the conversations I have about rape and sexual assault and stuff you'd be surprised how many 35 year old women Say to me, I've literally only just realized that I was previously sexually assaulted because I've read something on your page, that these conversations should be happening from school, uh, because then they prevent the, you know the dark side of things you know, coming to light really. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's, we're rubbish in this country. I wish it wasn't taboo.
0: Yeah definitely. And where do you get your confidence from then? Have you did you have quite a, an upbringing where you would talk about those things openly?
1: Yeah, my mum was really open always. I was terribly embarrassed by it to be honest. I I wanted her to shut up. Um but <laughs> she, she was always really she just allowed us to to speak. Um, I never wanted to speak to her like but she would that that door was open if I wanted to you know I remember her helping us to put condoms on a cucumber when I was about 15 with a group of friends <laughs> Um, so she she was great and I've 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 never felt ashamed about sex in any way in terms of my upbringing it's really more society that has made me feel ashamed as you know previously felt no. ashamed as a woman for for having sex.
0: So you do lives on Instagram uh, where you take people's sort of sent in questions and discuss them. Yeah. I uh, For people who haven't seen your account, I listened to one the other day um, and I mean, it was quite a long one, but I, I listened to it. And at the start, you were doing pelvic floor exercises <laughs> to the song song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and- I, I I kept on listening, and you come across across some really shocking real life situations that people have sent in
1: yeah
0: um what's that like um, um well, what I wanted to ask you was what what do you think is the worst thing somebody has asked you for advice on, or is this something that you've been really shocked about yourself, even though you know you, you say you feel you don't feel shocked by it?
1: You know what I have worked in child protection uh for over fifteen years, so there is nothing that can shock me on this page you know I've dealt with some really uh, dark stuff at work so it's mm-hmm. not that I'm desensitized to it it's just that you know I, I, I was on the mapper board for a long time Mapper is the um, multi-agency public protection um, stuff so they deal with the highest risk offenders it's like managing plans for when they come out of prison um, so having sat there and listened to their criminal histories there's there's nothing that anyone can say to me on this page that's that's ever going to make me go you know and it's not that I I don't continue to be you know I'm not desensitized to it in the sense that I'll read a really shocking topic and think ah, this is normal it's not that like I can you know and it always kind of affects me or shocks me but I can't I don't um yeah, I'm I'm used to it. I've done it for so many years now, and I I have ways of of making sure that I don't internalise or get too emotional, uh, over things because you you just can't operate like that. Especially as a social worker, you're you know you're dealing with ten different incidents of child abuse in one day. If, if if you're allowing yourself to 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 become too emotional about that, you just can't do your job properly. So it's it's a good skill that I've learned from my previous career to bring to this one
0: yeah definitely yeah I hadn't thought about it like that actually um and then on the sort of on the sort of sex side of stuff um there are some equally some really funny things that people send in uh can you give us an example of something that something hilarious that somebody sent in for us oh
1: we've had quite a few recently so we had what did we have last week oh we had somebody who was like talking about rimming Uh, and, uh, it was the way that she described it was just like, she wanted to do it. And then she saw his chocolate starfish staring at her and she just could not do it. Um, we, we had one about fanny farts recently about, oh, that, this was it. This was like a little learning experience for all of us, including me. Um, because she was saying, so this girl wrote in to say that she finds fanny farts really awkward. Um, and that the thing that she finds most upsetting about it is that uh, she realizes that just pre fanny fart, her vagina must be a big gaping hole. Um, <laughs> and we were all like, what? Uh, but then all these men wrote in and they were like, yeah, that is what happens. It like fills with air and it, you can't feel the walls at all. Uh, and then when you push in, and generate the fun part, the vagina like clamps back around the penis. (laughs) So we had like a whole gang of women like, what? (laughs) Right, yeah, so that was a good one. We had one recently about uh, a guy who wanted to be called Daddy in bed. So we had a whole big conversation about that he also was into like girls in school uniforms and um and she was just asking whether she should be disturbed by that and you know so it's good what i like is that it's like a safe space and you know sometimes you can't ask these questions to google or to your mates or whatever so i think it's really nice that people feel like they can talk about this kind of stuff without judgment
0: So, moving on to uh, the pandemic now. Obviously, this is a pandemic-related series, yeah. And what we really want to talk to you about is dating during lockdown. So, obviously, this has pushed loads of different people into loads of weird situations. There've been people who've been forced into long-term relationships, um, and single people forced to change the way they date. Those are the two kind of ones that I've got in mind. Um, on Instagram recently, you said
1: dating as we know it is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> can you tell me? Can you tell me about that? Yeah, that was, that was more as a kind of combination of not just lockdown, but the impact of, um, everything that's happened within that, you know, so Black Lives Matter movement has been, I think a huge second pandemic really that we should have been dealing with a long time ago, Mm. but it's also been a bit like Brexit, like it kind of shows people's true colours, um, you know, I, I don't know if you felt it in 2016, but there was this whole thing of just very much like, I can't date you if you voted leave, or I'm sure the losers <laughs> would be like, I can't date you if you vote remain. And it's very much the same in the Black Lives Matter thing, but even more serious, like if you're not on board with me politically, I can't go there. And I think that's been a massive change for a lot of people who would have maybe, um dated people and like overlooked their political differences but I think politics has really come to the forefront now and I think a lot of people are much more like actually I'm really clear now on my own morals and values and I absolutely have to find somebody who shares that stance so I think that's been one of the changes but um, yeah like in terms of lockdown on its own the, the impact of 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 that I mean it's I don't think we'll ever really go back to normal again because I think people have just got really, this, yeah, I don't think we will. I think, I, I think, it. I don't know. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of people when lockdown eases that are going to um, be on a bit of a rampage, like sexually. But I think there's also a lot more people who are going to be looking for relationships because I think being single I think we all know that there's potentially going to be a second wave. There's potentially going to be another lockdown. And I think a lot of people really mm. are like, well, I don't want to be single for, like if this ever happens again. So I think maybe people who weren't so clear about wanting a relationship before are going to be more likely to to pursue relationships now. Mm. Um, but then there's the other group of people, like I say, who are going to be on more of a kind of life is short. Let's just fuck as much as we can. Um <laughs> So I think it will, you know, send people into two camps.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I saw one of the memes that you put up, actually, that said, dating in 2013, do I want to Netflix and chill with this person? Dating in 2020, do I want to witness the collapse of capitalism, fight next to them in the revolution and go through the apocalypse with this yeah. person? This <laughs> exactly. I think mean, that kind yeah. of sums it up, really, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: it's exactly that. And I think that's what I mean. I think a lot more people are more politicised now. In 2013, we weren't really forced to you know the, the world has changed dramatically since then as i say with brexit um uh, you know having trump as as president the whole black lives matter movement um lockdown i think all of it has made people much more politically aware people are watching the news more people are understanding much more about the environment that controls them uh and and yeah i think that whereas maybe a few years ago people might overlook somebody's kind of basic knowledge or if someone was like, I don't really understand, all lives matter, you know, people might be more like, oh, well, we don't have that in common. Now it's like, nah, you're with me. We're on this side of the fight together or we can't do this together, you know? Um, I think it's a really good thing, actually.
0: That's really interesting, really interesting because I think I actually had that written down, Black Lives Matter movement, everything that's happening with the pandemic. People are definitely more political than or, or you know more verbally political about yeah. uh, about things than they used to be so do you think that you have to have matching values in order order to have a successful relationship
1: yeah i do personally yeah because especially when it comes to like raising children and stuff um i i think your values being aligned is is really important because i think it will rear its u- ugly head um and and unless your values are a little bit wishy-washy if you're not particularly passionate about things, then I guess that you can overlook it. Mm. But I I think that if you're, um, I just think so many things can crop up if your values aren't aligned. And as most especially if you go on to have a family together, you know, how are you going to raise your children together yeah. if one of you thinks that it's, you know, totally disgusting to have gay relationships, you know, but you think it's really important to teach your children that love is love, where where are you going to go with that 10 years into a relationship? You know what I mean? That stuff has to be discussed and understood before you even get to the having kids stage. So again, whereas I think a lot of people maybe before might have been like, oh, it's just a difference. Now it's like, no, this is literally life and death, actually. Um, Not for everyone, obviously. Like I say, if you're not a particularly political person, if you haven't got into all of this, then... It doesn't matter so much, like. Um, but I think if you are somebody who who's got really strong values and, and um, political views, I think you have to be on the same page.
0: So back to the to the lockdown and dating during lockdown. Single people have kind of, I would say, drawn drawn the short straw here. Yeah. Uh. So not only are you have you had you know your nice dates in a pub or going out for a dinner or whatever you normally do on a date, you've had that taken away from you. Yeah. You might also not be a person that uses things like um dating apps and things like that. So it's almost just completely pulled the rug from under some people. Would you say?
1: Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. And I, I, you know, I've spoken to people who are in a kind of variety of different situations uh a lot of people are just they, they've tried to do the whole dating app thing but um i've heard from so many people including myself i think i joined hinge for about two days at the start of lockdown.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and I just found that there was just really nothing to talk about with people. Uh, and I'm hearing this from a lot of people because life was so still and all that was going on was just in your house for 24 hours, seven days, before, yeah. and nothing was happening. Apart from being able to talk about what you've watched on Netflix um People were were struggling, you know. Once you've got past the whole thing of I went traveling in Australia in nineteen ninety, <laughs> you know, once you've got past all that, what what next? Because actually, you, you know, you generate conversation with your everyday interactions and stuff that happens at work and whatever. So, I think a lot of people are finding it difficult to have um, conversations. But I think also because there's so much uncertainty about when it's going to end, people kind of felt like, well, what's the point in this? We're talking for three months and there's not even an end date in sight where we could possibly meet up and have a great date. So I think that put a lot of people off. I spoke to a lot of people who jumped on dating apps and then jumped straight off them because they were just like, what's the point? And for a lot Mm. of women as well, um, with the beauticians and salons and everything being closed, the longer that lockdown has gone on, people have started to feel like, I don't even want to meet a new man now. My hair looks, I look like Virgil Gummy. (laughs) My nails are horrific, you know, like, oh, I need my lashes, right? I need my brows, right? I, like, even me, I would not meet a new man right now because I look like agrid and it's just not happening. <laughs> so I feel like I need to just, like, get the salons open and then I might feel refreshed and revived again enough to, to meet someone new. Yeah. So, so, but also a lot of people have been breaking lockdown. There are quite a lot of people mm. who... You know, there's, but I know of a lot of hookups that have been taking place and people that have actually found relationships or like people to see during lockdown because they just, there's a lot of people who haven't taken it quite as seriously as the rest of us.
0: You've been very vocal about that online, which I thought was really interesting. I don't know whether it was just men asking women, or whether it was just people asking to meet someone else to meet to to meet up, either to meet up for a date or just for a sort of a hookup.
1: I think there was a lot of people doing it. There was a lot, a lot, a lot of people doing it. Um, I, obviously, my my um, followers are ninety four percent women, six percent men. Mm. So I I'm obviously hearing the female side so I, I know that women were definitely meeting up for hookups but there was definitely a massive amount of men who were on our hinge all of those things who were very explicitly saying like come let's meet up I got so many screenshots from women like look at this guy how off-putting is this so I can't tell you what the numbers are really, but definitely from my followers perspective, a lot of men were very like relaxed about it. Very casual about it. Almost didn't seem to even understand the lockdown rules. they like, I had so many screenshots from people who were like men who were like, well, I'm a key worker anyway, so it doesn't make a difference. So do you want to come around <laughs> to mine? It's like you work in a COVID ward, like, and you're inviting women to your house. So yeah. So there was a lot of that going on and I was vocal about it. Um, not so much now now I kind of feel like since Dominic Cummings had his little palaver but uh, at the beginning when we were really worried and the NHS looked like it was about to go into major crisis I thought that that was like a real red flag actually um, for the type of people who were willing to break lockdown and put the NHS at risk put themselves at risk put other people at risk um, just for a shag I felt that that was a real red flag for very narcissistic behaviour actually to think you're above the virus to think that you're more in important than the, the welfare of elderly people in your community, you know what I mean so yeah actually I felt like anyone breaking at the beginning massive red flag for just complete and utter selfishness
0: and I, I think there was a point where it was legal. To meet up outside and have sex, but you you weren't actually it was illegal to go to somebody else's house. I think I saw you speak about that.
1: Yeah, it's just absolutely mad, and that and it it hit me because I had to have a workman round. Uh, it was about two weeks ago. I had some emergency in my house, and this guy came around and he was literally there all day using my toilet. I was making him cups of tea and at that point I just thought this is literally ridiculous that this man can be here in my house all day but my mum can't or a date can't or you know. Um, so so I think at that point when things became incredibly confusing like what is the message here as you say like you can have sex in the garden but you can't have sex in your house. Ha- at that point I think <laughs> I became less judgmental about it because it's like if, if you're still meeting up then pfft, who know are you are you supposed to can i have sex with this workman is that legal? like <laughs> yeah you know prior to that when the message was really clear um i, I think it's a red flag when people were meeting up
0: so there've been lots of memes about people going back to their exes and people saying, cause they, they feel like they've got no other option. They're bored. They're in lockdown. There's nothing going on. what, what you've, you've spoken about that as well, haven't you?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think that happened a lot and that's happened with me. Like the only people that I've been speaking to are people that I know already. Um, because if I'm going to FaceTime them and I do look a bit messed up because of no beauty treatments during lockdown, they're going to accept that because they knew what I looked like before. Um, whereas I, I feel like, Speaking to a new guy, he might just think like, wow, her hair's a bit wild, or you know, where's her <laughs> eyebrows? Um, not that looks matter, uh, but I'm not gonna pretend <laughs> so. I don't want to look hot for a new guy, you know. So yeah, I think that's you know, it's bound to, isn't it? It's not just the whole like, oh, I, I wanna speak to someone, it's it's also that whole sense of our own mortality. Um, it was a global pandemic. Uh, people dying left, right and centre. I mean, it's a massive crisis. And that kind of thing does make you want to run to a place of safety or familiarity. Um, and it makes you maybe review things like perhaps, you know, if me and this ex were still together now, what would have the lockdown situation been? Could we have handled it mm. together? You know, it makes you question all of these things and think about all the people in, in your life. You know, I certainly don't know about you, but I was getting in touch with, like, girlfriends from who I hadn't spoken to for two years or whatever, but who are still with really close friends, ending up on Skype and Zoom calls and stuff. So I think it wasn't just exes. I think a lot of people were kind of drawn back to people who were safe and familiar in their lives prior to the pandemic. And I think sometimes exes got included in that. And going back to your ex is not always necessarily a bad thing. It's only a bad thing if it was extremely toxic for you. You know, sometimes people are exes, when they didn't really need to be exes, you could have worked things out. So so it's not always a bad thing.
0: And one thing that you said, actually, online that I hadn't even thought about is people using self-isolation as an excuse to avoid you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was awful. Yeah, that was happening a lot. A lot of people kind of, like, getting ghosted or, yeah, people... <sighs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that did happen quite a lot. Um, but But, again, like, you know, if you were trying to meet up with people so this started happening so things what I noticed was that things were sort of changing throughout the lockdown so things at the beginning were one way and then they got to a point where people could have like social distancing walks um and that's when tension started to build because one person would be like oh let's go for a social distancing walk and then another would be like I can't I'm self-isolating uh and then they'd wait two weeks and they'd be like oh should we go for a walk and they'd be like I'm still self-isolating you know um yeah so so I guess it was hard for some people to figure out whether it was genuine social distancing or whether it was like actually I just don't want to speak to you but that's, that's your life isn't it like you know people make excuses oh, I'm busy at work I'm busy at work I can't meet up I can't meet you know so it's the same kind of thing but just a different a different excuse
0: maybe a better excuse actually I <laughs>
1: can't argue with that one oh, can you?
0: Exactly. Uh, so as you are the queen of advice, we're going to ask you for a few bits of advice for, for a few different people, if that's OK. Okay. Um, so what advice would you give to couples who have been separated during lockdown? So I've heard of a lot of people who are in long term relationships and actually haven't seen their boyfriends or girlfriends uh, for the whole of the three months or they've met up in the park or whatever and stayed socially distanced. That must have been really hard. Yeah,
1: that must have been horrific. I I actually think that those people, those those relationships are are really strong and those people deserve a bloody medal for not doing that whole rushing into things. There's a lot of people that, um, who haven't been together for very long, who decided to live together during lockdown because they couldn't bear to be apart. And that has uh, ended a lot of relationships prematurely because people have lived together, not because of the true desire to live together, but because they thought they had to because of lockdown. Um, so I think any of those long-term relationship couples who have really done the thing and not, you know, forced living together or whatever, actually, they should be really proud of themselves. They've they've, they've set the pace really nicely and they've been patient and, and that's really good. But I hope that they have, um, you know, made an effort. Because you can still date, you, you know, Online, I've heard of loads of people doing really cute things like both ordering the same takeaway and eating together (laughs) on on zoom um, and having like exactly the same thing, the same bottle and then sitting together and watching the same film. Um, So there's different things that you can do like that to keep to keep things alive. Obviously, like sexting and um, some people have even watched the same porn together separately. So I think there's lots of things that, that you can do to, to keep things alive. And, and I would imagine that those relationships are probably going to be quite strengthened at the end of this because it's going to feel mm. so fantastic to be able to meet up again. It's going to be like, you know, like the beginning again. Um, so actually, I don't think it would have done too much harm to people who were in good relationships to start with.
0: And then on the other hand, you've got couples who have been isolating with each other and have done nothing but see each other. What would you say to them?
1: Yeah, I think that it's been a make-or-break time for a lot of people. I'm I'm hearing from a lot of people that relationships have ended as a result of lockdown or they moved in together too quickly and realised they couldn't stand each other. Um, (laughs) I think that if you're living together during lockdown, you have to really make a concerted effort. A to have some separate time if you can, um, but be to still do that kind of fun flirtatious dating stuff rather than it just becoming a monotonous, like, we are locked down. There's no reason that they couldn't also do fun stuff together, proper date nights and stuff like that, um, which is hard. I like if they've got kids and things and things like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think that any relationship – Particularly when it comes to like sex and desire and things like that, you actually do have to put in effort, whether you're like isolating together or not. Like, you have to. Um continually work on the desire and build on it, and make sure that you are nurturing that side of the relationship, otherwise it can die so yeah i, I think it's gonna have been hard for everyone, no matter you know singles it's hard for one reason, isolating together it's it's hard for a different reason, isolating apart it's you know what i mean i I think there's no one who has got away yeah. from this lockdown thing scot free in terms of um the damage that it might have done, sort of emotionally um or mentally to to how we approach relationships
0: yeah absolutely um talking about you now what have you been doing to cope during the lockdown how have you been staying positive
1: it's been really hard for me because I had um the first so I I don't live with my son's dad um but my son's dad was shielding for the first 13 weeks um so I had him on my own uh without any breaks whatsoever um for 13 weeks which actually at the end, it was really it was really beginning to get to me um but I love my son you know I don't even have to say you know I don't have to say that but, well, I don't want to hang around with an eight-year-old for my whole life <laughs> I don't have any eight-year-old friends like they're not really like yeah you know they're not on my level um <laughs> so, so yeah so that so I I was I really struggled and to be honest with you If I went back to the beginning, I would have told myself to do things quite differently because my alcohol intake, I mean, I've never been a big drinker ever. Um, I'm like a special occasion drinker. I never, ever drink over dinner. Um, But through lockdown, I've probably gone through about three bottles of wine, which I know doesn't sound like a lot to most people, three bottles of wine in 13 weeks. But to me, that's like massive. I think I've done a bottle of Bailey's. Like, I've been drinking at night, so... I've heard a lot of that, you know. Yeah, it's weird. It's so weird for me. When I told my mum, like, I'm just drinking a glass of wine, she was like, what? Like, that's not you." So, yeah, so I don't... I think I would have liked to have done it differently. I'd like to have been one of those people who were getting up and exercising every day. Um, But I... Was, mm,
0: I oh, God, I, don't we all?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I I put on loads of weight. Um, I've I've increased my drinking. Um yeah I haven't I can't sit here and go I bossed this lockdown I meditated every day I did yoga I didn't I just kind of like sat there like a rabbit in headlights like ah hand me a baby yeah you know like I, I haven't done very well
0: I feel like we're on the same page there Leila <laughs>
1: yeah, so I'm not the right person to ask for for positivity uh because yeah that's that's just hasn't been me
0: no, to be honest, and I think sometimes, and a lot of people have said, which I think is quite healthy is it it's not about being that person that's amazing, gets up, has a smoothie, goes for a run, you know being just surviving and and staying at least a bit sane you know yeah. is important too, isn't it yeah
1: that's what it felt like to us was just like okay, let's just get through this and now my son started going to my dad's, yeah. and I'm up to his dad, sorry, and so I'm feeling a bit more like,, ah, you know like the worst. Over, I can start to like get myself together a bit more.
0: A little bit of a normality. Yeah. So, what would you say is the worst thing about being a woman?
1: Oh, men. (laughs) Full stop? Yeah, men. Yeah, I think that has to be the worst thing about being a woman. I think being a woman would be amazing if we didn't have these major issues that so many of us have to face as a result of men. And I think I'm probably more in that mode at the moment because I've just done a recent set of stories about rape and sexual assault and 11,000 people answered the survey, the poll, and um, 91% of women said that they'd been groped in public. Um, And I had so many stories um, just about, you know, getting on trains, somebody putting their groin up against your bum or walking through a carnival or festival or whatever and somebody grabs your breast and and it starts from really young like 80% of women said that it had started in secondary school where boys were you know doing the whole trying to touch your boobs or ping your bra strap or whatever and all of this is sexual assault but many of us don't term it as that because it's become so normalized oh this is just you know boys will be boys they can't keep them hands their hands to themselves you know um and yeah so i think i love men i adore men that's part of my life problem um but, but yeah, I mean, I think men are fantastic when they are fantastic, but I think it's not all men, but there's enough men that all women have either had some type of negative experience with men at some point. And I don't mean that of just being like dumped. I mean, actually like a scary negative experience. Um, and if they haven't, they've at least had to be taught to avoid men. Um, you know, there is not a woman in the world who's not educated, um, Not to walk around late at night in a short skirt, you know, not all men, but enough men that all of us have to be a bit worried about them.
0: And then on the other hand, what is the best thing about being a woman?
1: oh other women um i absolutely love other women i think we have this kind of sense of solidarity um and this level of empathy and intelligence emotional intelligence i just adore other women and yeah and i think we need wonderful women out here and i just love i love being a woman just for that nurturing maternal care that i get from from other women from friends from strangers so yeah I think the best thing about being a woman is is, it has to be that.
0: Thank you for listening and a big thank you to our guest Layla, the brains behind La 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 Let Me Explain. I produced this episode and the music is by Easy Peel. I love getting your feedback, so if you like this episode, please write a review and subscribe on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. For more Lady Pod, check out Series 2, Episode 4, where I chat to Dr Aisha Iqbal about working in a hospital during the pandemic. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. This episode contains explicit and sexual content.